Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You see, that's known. This is the futility of trying to do life with our God. Maybe you're here this morning, you go, man, I'm like Alexander the Great. I'm conquering stuff. I got businesses. I'm trading. I'm doing great. Let me just warn you, you'll come to an end, and then life has no meaning and purpose. So many people kill themselves today. They've finished. They have nothing left, and that's the way God designed it. You see, if you're living for self, your accomplishments absolutely will eventually be empty. Today, Pastor Mark will challenge listeners to put aside the things of this world that are guaranteed not to last and focus on the eternal things, which are guaranteed to last. God and people are all that will join us in eternity. All of the cars, all of the cash, all of the clothes, that'll all be destroyed. So why would you waste this life pursuing things that only gratify yourself and will only pass away? The Lord designed us to mirror Him in all that we do. This includes how we spend our time and money. Are you living for yourself or for God today? Only one route leads to heaven. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message, Daniel's Dream and What Our Future World Looks Like. Now as we begin chapter 7 through 12, it's different. It moves to prophecy about the future. Prophecy is simply history in advance. Now that sounds like an oxymoron, but that's God because he knows the beginning from the end. And it's about the future of our world. So it's very applicable to you and me. And it comes from visions and dreams, not that a king has and Daniel interprets him, These four visions and dreams Daniel receives from God directly, and then he'll begin interpreting those. Many of the Jewish scribes consider one of the greatest chapters in the Old Testament is this chapter, chapter 7. Now, it gives us what we would call a big picture of the future, of what our future actually looks like. Now, I want to show you kind of this big picture. And all of our campuses, I don't want you to panic at this moment, because many of you are new believers, or you're new to the church. And as I look at these words, rapture the church, tribulation, millennial reign of Christ, you're like, what is that? When I started out in college, I started out on engineering, and I I love chemistry and, and all that. When I walked into calculus, and they showed me the formula, it was like that. I canceled engineering immediately. Now, I don't want you to cancel the church, but I'm going to take time to go through this in a very simple way. 
the rapture of the church, the seven years of tribulation. You'll hear a word this morning called the Antichrist. We'll talk about that, the one world order. The Antichrist has a goal of making one world government, one world economy, and one world religion. Can you see it already beginning to happen? Of course. And then we'll talk about the millennial reign, a thousand-year reign of Christ, eternity, the final judgment, all of this thing. Now, as you look at that, and you, and you have, and you might even be here, Christians have different beliefs about some of this. And so when you get to the rapture, some Christians don't believe there is a rapture. Others believe, well, when is it going to happen? We're premillennial, so that's what we'll teach. Uh, but it could be pre-wrath, it could be mid-trib, it could be whatever, all kinds of stuff like that. Some don't believe there is a tribulation. Some actually believe we're in the thousand-year reign of Christ right now. Well, when there, if it's a thousand-year reign of Christ, it's supposed to be paradise. Anybody believe this is paradise at the moment? Not exactly. Uh, and then, of course, eternity means forever. Now, as you look at all that, lots of people that are Christians believe some different things about that. But that's not, and that may be you. But I'm going to teach what we believe. Now, nobody knows if you're perfect. When we get to heaven, we'll get it all right. Can I hear an amen? amen. So don't walk out and be, well, Pastor Mike, I think there's a, the rapture is a mid-trib. And, and, and. Fine, fine. Get the big picture of this. What is the big picture you're going to see in the morning? So don't fuss with it. And I'm not going to go really, really deep because here's what you need to understand. Everybody that has been born and died, did they experience any of this? No, none of it. They're in heaven already. And so understand, there's a select group of people that will experience this, of course. But much of us will never do. So we have to keep the main thing. The main thing was winning people to Jesus Christ. That's the church age. That's where we're at this morning. So relax. This is not calculus. You can relax and we'll go through it together. And I know many of you are new. And so these terms don't seem to like mean anything to you. So just turn to your neighbor right now and say this. Uh, the big picture is the key. The big picture is the key. Now, I'm going to start this morning because the big picture, even though life isn't about you or me, the big picture is about you and me. Where are you going to spend forever in eternity? Where? That's the big picture. So I'm going to ask you some questions and just kind of fun thing with all of us at all of our campuses, Sebastian Vieira. Uh, one year from now, where do you think you'll be living, working, or going to school? All kinds of ideas. What would your life look like five years today? If you're married, will you still be married? If you're single, will you be married? Uh, do you have kids, jobs, do you own a home, or are you still live in an apartment? W where will you be living? What city? What state? Here's another one. Ten years from today, any changes in your life? Well, those are all unknown. But here's two I want to ask you right now. This is the big picture. What will your life look like 200 years from today? Well, number one, your bones will be very dry. <laughs> or dust. Where will you be living? Here's the next one. What will your life look like one billion years ago? Pastor Mark, one billion? What, what are you talking about? No, eternity's forever. Where will you be living? See, that is the big picture. It's about where you, every single one of you, will be living after you die forever. That keeps us in context. That focuses on the real purpose of life. 
Now, the Bible tells us about the big picture in many ways, but here's my favorite verse when talking about the big picture in our lives. Look at it. All of our campuses, Hebrews 9, 27. Just as man is destined to die, how many times? So you will not come back again. You don't get a second try. We go, we go through life and we get one shot at it. And after that, to face, tell me, judgment. So the big picture is right there. You, I, am going to die. Every single person ever born will die. And then the judgment in heaven. And we'll talk about that because there'll be two actual judgments for individuals. And I'm going to show you that big picture that goes through this. So the difficulty when you get to prophecy and you talk about the book of Daniel, of course, and then the book of Revelation that's tied together. I'm going to take, I'm not going through the book of Revelation now, but we'll tie it together as we go through these seven through 12. Here's the thing you have to be careful of. Some people like prophecy. So all they have at home is prophecy books. They got every book ever written on the book of Revelation or whatever. They don't care anything about winning souls or whatever. Other people don't want to know anything about the future. Well, why wouldn't you? It's your future. <laughs> so that's what Daniel does. So there's a balance in all of this. We won't go down right to the nitty gritty because that's crazy. Because as you're going to see, some things we don't know. We just look at him, and Daniel's going to look at this dream. Remember, he's, he's hundreds of years before Jesus came, and some of these things don't make sense to him. So just relax. We're going to have a great time as we go through it. Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. Sebastian Vieira, here we go. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. Now, not a king had a dream, Daniel. And visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed. And he wrote down the substance or the summary of his dream. Uh, this is really a flashback to between chapters 4 and 5 of the book of Daniel, which we've already covered. Uh, this is a prophecy given by God directly to Daniel. He's probably in his 60s, his 60s. And he was giving him the big picture of the world, which some of this didn't make any sense to Daniel because he's living in a time that just doesn't make any sense. Now, verse 2, and Daniel said, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were four, were the four winds of heaven, watch this, churning up the great sea. And four great beasts, each different from the others, came out of the sea. So Daniel sees this, these four beasts emerge from a churning sea. Now, what are we talking about the sea, the great sea? Well, probably it was a Mediterranean, specifically, because these four nations you'll see in a moment were circled around that area. But when you see Great Sea, it's a picture of the Gentile nations in the world. If you've ever been like, uh, to a big country and you see all these people, you look out there and go, man, it's a sea of humanity out there. That's what we're talking about. So he sees, he sees our world, and, and he sees the Gentile worlds, even in his day, and of course, and in the future. But notice what it says about the sea churning up the great sea. So when he looks at humanity, he sees people being blown by the winds. It's a political unrest. It's wars. It's chaos. It's just as everything. When you get the newspaper, look at it. Our world is churning. It's chaos. It's absolutely ludicrous. It's crime. It's terrible government. It's, it's corruption. It's just exactly as we see. Now from this, 
he sees four huge beasts. And they're directly related to when we did chapter two, the statue with King Nebuchadnezzar at the top. And you're going to see what this looks like here. Now, both visions, the one that Nebuchadnezzar had and the one that Daniel has, are about the Gentile kingdoms, the four major ones down through the ages, which have already completed themselves. But there is a different perspective. Now, in chapter two, remember, the head of gold was Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian kingdom, the top kingdom. Well, it's related to the winged lion. We'll get to that in a moment. The second one, the breast and arms of silver. There you see the Medo-Persian, and it's related to the devouring bear. The belly and thighs of bronze. There, there's Greece, Alexander the Great, and it's related to the winged leopard. And the legs and feet of the arms of clay is a Roman empire that lasted for many, many, many th- hundreds of years. It's all gone now, and it's related to something called the indescribable beast. And I'll get there in a moment. So these are the things, but the perspective is different. Look at Look at the perspective of man. That's chapter two. When you look at that, what do you see? Gold, silver, bronze. And when man looks at himself, from man's viewpoint, he sees these empires are fantastic. They're ruling. They're shining. They're beautiful. They're pictures of strength, almost unlimited power that they can provide. Now, the chapter seven is God's look down at these empires. What does he see? He sees a world that's uncivilized, calling them beasts. He sees that they're wild, they're evil, they're cruel, they're totally out of control. So God's perspective is really the right one. So at the end of this chapter, we're gonna see God's judgment on man that's evil. Because there's judgment coming. Remember, it's appointed unto man once to, tell me, die. And after that, the judgment. I don't like judgment. You don't like judgment. Don't matter. We're going to be judged. Now, verse 4. These next verses, I'll do them quickly. They're kind of a picture of these beasts. The first was a lion, and it had wings of an eagle. Kind of a strange-looking beast. I watched until its wings were tore off and lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a man. So there's a change. And the heart of man was given to it. So this first beast is Babylon. And archaeologists amazingly have discovered an ancient emblem of Babylon that had a lion with eagle wings. And God went, oh my goodness, God said, I didn't know that. (laughs) Well, of course he knew that. That was in the dream. He already knew that. Now, notice though the strange, the, the wings were plucked from it. What does that mean? Well, you pluck wings, you, you can't fly. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? One day he stood, he looked at Babylon, what he'd built. And what did he say? This is all about me, baby. This is fantastic. And God said, really? Okay, pluck, 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 pluck. And the next thing we find Daniel, what is he? He's four-legged. He's an animal. And he's eating grass. You see, God knows how to take care of pride. He knows, we're all prideful. We've already covered that many times. God will bring anyone back to ground level if they're prideful. I want you to write this this morning. It's kind of a neat little statement. Pride is the zip code of sin. You want to get to sin? Just be prideful. You're right there exactly where you don't want to be because God hates pride. Now, notice later 
in, in this passage, it says the wings were torn off, but then it's this, this animal stood on two feet. What is that a picture of? Well, eventually, when Nebuchadnezzar was restored, when he, when he realized he came to his senses, I was too proud. What did God do? No longer four. He was back as a man, two feet. He was restored by God. And when that sanity came back, it was all because of God's grace. Can I remind you that God can restore anyone after they've fallen? Anyone. Don't give up praying for people. Maybe you're here today. Man, I've just sinned too much. No, no. You've never been an animal walking on fours and eating grass. And God restored this man, Nebuchadnezzar. The man's heart could be a symbol of that Nebuchadnezzar really came to a relationship with God. We don't know for sure. Verse 5. Here's the next kingdom, the Medo-Persian Empire. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear, the Medo-Persian Empire. It was raised up on one of its side and had three, rings, uh, three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. Now, the bear is very different than a lion. The bear is slow, crushing, greedy, just moves slowly. Watch. He just, and he, he crushes. He, he just tears. Notice what it says. It's, eat your fill. So how did the medial Persia do? Well, they actually went, and that's the way they accomplished. Remember, all of these are people that are destroying other nations to make their nation the one. So you have a lion and an eagle, and now you have a bear that just plods along. But man, he just, if anybody gives you a bear hug and they're really big and you're kind of small, if somebody gave me a bear hug, there'd be nothing left of me. All right. That's what the bear did. And he did it slowly. Now notice the Greek empire in verse six. After that, I looked and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. Now, would you say the leopard would be faster than a bear? Okay, so watch this. It speaks of the Greek empire. And on its back, he had four wings like those of a bird. The beast had four heads and it was given authority to rule. So the leopard is Greece, the empire of Greece, a real empire. All four of these empires came into being and are now gone. The, the nations are still there, but they're not ruling empires anymore. Now, who is the head of the Grecian empire in those days? You know his name. Alexander the what? The great, he was. And he was so fast, he was so quick that he conquered most of the civilized world, he and his armies, in 13 years. Amazing. In fact, as far as east to India. Now, one of the finest hours that Alexander the Great had was when at the age of 33, he said this, how sad. There are no more worlds to conquer. Later, so depressed, since there was nothing left to conquer, he'd conquered the world. He drank himself into oblivion, and he contracted pneumonia, and he died at 33. Alexander the Great. Would you write this down this morning at Sebastian and Vera here in Melbourne and online? See, this is the problem that Alexander the Great had. He Living for self is a dead end. Living for God brings purpose and meaning. When he had finished accomplishing all he could do, he had no purpose and meaning in life. 
You see, that's known. This is the futility of trying to do life without God. Maybe you're here this morning, you go, man, I'm like Alexander the Great. I'm conquering stuff. I got businesses. I'm trading. I'm doing great. Let me just warn you, you'll come to an end, and then life has no meaning and purpose. So many people kill themselves today. They've finished. They have nothing left, and that's the way God designed it. You see, if you're living for self, your accomplishments absolutely will eventually be empty. You need to live for God. Living for God gives us purpose and meaning in life. Now, shortly after this empire was done, notice it said the beast had four heads. What does that mean? Well, Alexander, he did one thing before he died. He divided the nation into four parts, and he gave four generals a head over that. And that was not a surprise to God. That was already done. Alexander thought it was his idea. It was God's idea. That's exactly what happened. Now, now we come to the worst one. And in verse 7, this is the Roman Empire revised. And, and Daniel doesn't know what to do with this beast. Watch. After that, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was a fourth beast. Terrifying and frightening. Very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims, trampled underfoot whatever was left. And it was different from all the former beasts. It had 10 horns. Strange. People try to draw this. Good luck. 10 horns. This fourth beast speaks of the Roman Empire, and it's synonymous really with the legs of iron that we saw in that first picture. And out of it comes 10 horns. That's equal to those 10 toes in Daniel chapter 2. Now, the horns and the toes, look at me, they speak about a revived Roman Empire, which is not here yet. Now, here's what's important. This is a picture of the Antichrist, and I'll talk about that later. You'll see. And this is why this is important. Every one of those other kingdoms are gone. They've been fulfilled. Prophecy was 100% correct. This is yet to come. The Antichrist, this summary verse of prophecy, has yet to come. So there's, there's a time coming when the old Roman Empire in Europe is going to be reestablished. We don't really know what that looks like, but it's, it's called the Revised Roman Empire. And again, when that comes, it's going to be led by a human. His name is the Antichrist. And it will last, eventually be defeated by Jesus Christ when he comes back and, and, and battles him in the battles of Armageddon in Israel. Verse 8. While I was thinking about the horns, remember there's, there are all those horns are all over the place there. As he's thinking about those ten horns, watch what happens. There before me was another horn, a little one. So coming out of these ten leaders, or ten nations, or ten political systems, we don't know, whatever, uh, out of all of this comes what? One little horn. But watch what happens which came up among them. And three of the first horns were uprooted before it. The horn had eyes like that of a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Living for self is a dead end. Living for God brings purpose and meaning. Do you believe these truths today? Does your lifestyle reflect them? Today, Pastor Mark challenged us to put away our pride and live for God wholeheartedly. Pride is the zip code of sin. Nearly every sin can be traced back to a pride issue. If you struggle with pride in living for yourself today, the Lord wants to cleanse you of that and give you a new purpose. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Will Christians be judged differently than unbelievers? Absolutely, but they will still give an account. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners the different ways that Christ followers and unbelievers will be judged. Judgment is coming, and the decisions we make today turn around and make us tomorrow. There are only two eternal destinations, and every person will end up in one or the other. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Daniel. That's next time on Lessons for Living. See